Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Deb Smolinski about supporting holistic worker health in your organization. Deb Smolinski, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks, John. It is great to be here. I'm a big fan. Oh, I thank you. And it's a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from outside of the Chicago area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about holistic worker health and how leaders can support the health of their workers within their organizations. As we get started, I wanted to share Deb's bio with everybody. Deb Smolinski is the Senior Vice President of Wellbeing and Engagement at Leading Insurance Broker and Benefits Consultant, NFP. She is focused on all solutions in the HR benefits, well-being, and engagement space. As a passionate leader and futurist, she is dedicated to designing, developing, and distributing solutions that empower employees to lead healthy lifestyles while helping employers attract and retain key talent. She has earned certificates as a Worksite Wellness Program Coordinator, a Certified Worksite Wellness culture coach, certified lifeline practitioner. What a great background. It's a pleasure to have you. Anything else you would like to share with me or my audience by way of your background, personal context, professional journey before we launch on into the topic for today? Well, you did a great job covering everything. I'll just um, highlight that, you know, within the brokerage space, my practice while being in engagement is really focused on 100% the employee experience. And so for those of your, your audience and listeners out there that really are thinking what to do with their employees' situations or how to help employees, tap into the well-being consultants. Or if you don't have one, obviously check out NFP. But thank you for letting me expand on that. Why don't we start by just outlining a little bit what you mean by supporting holistic worker health? Um, you know, I think most people recognize mental health is important, physical health and safety, of course, is important. Um, what are those various components that you you tend to focus in on, and why is it important that we look at all aspects of the the person, the individual, as we're trying to support them? The bottom line is we're a complex human being, um, and in the well-being workplace definition, there's really five pillars that lead to ultimate thriving in the workplace. It's your career well-being, it's your physical and mental well-being, it's your social well-being, which is also community-based, you know, and even financial well-being. So those kind of pillars 
um, equate to all the experiences we encounter and bring to work. And so if we don't have programs, one to help us just be aware of what we're experiencing in all those pillars, help us grow and become, you know, successful as we go in those pillars. It really just does not lead to an engaged employee and a thriving organization is the bottom line. Yeah. And of course, that's what we all want. And, you know, it would be nice if it was enough to just say we want healthy people as like an intrinsic value of the organization, um, just for the sake of treating people like people. That's, that's important. And I wish that was enough. But if we also look at the business case of it, you just laid out some of those benefits. I mean, it just makes all the sense in the world to focus on the holistic health of your people, even if you're not really like a touchy feely kind of warm hearted corporate leader, you know, if you, you're just looking at the bottom line, does it make sense from an ROI perspective? The answer is yes. Yes, it does. When you focus on the health of your people, it's going to help you attract um, better talent. It's going to help you retain better talent. They're going to be more engaged. They're going to be more involved, more innovative and creative. <clears throat> Excuse me. All of those things are going to help your organization thrive. Yeah, absolutely. I always go back to two things. One, I'm an accountant by education and was an accountant in my early days. And so I know the business case. I think that's what makes us unique is we bring the business case to the C-suite. But also, you know, every single employer I know uses the, the wording, our people are our best asset. Well, the asterisks that we've added to it, thanks to Jeremy Hunter, um, a professor at the Drucker Institute of Management said, you know, people are your best assets only when they're in the green zone or in the flow zone or their best selves. And most of our time, we're either anxious, worried, or burned out. And so, you know, it's a business imperative for sure, to your point. (laughs) Yeah, so let's not forget that. Uh, again, it's it's not just something that we should look at and focus on when things are booming, when times are good. Uh, it's something we need to always be looking at. And in fact, when things are hard, that's probably where we need to to really hone in, uh, especially on some of those components around mental health and, and such to make sure that this mental health, the social health, all of those sorts of things are being taken care of. And we had a prime example over the last couple of years during the pandemic you know, lots of uh, increased levels of stress, anxiety, burnout, various mental health challenges of people as they're just juggling, struggling, you know, trying to, to stay afloat themselves and their families and helping the businesses stay afloat. Uh, It was just a really hard trying time for everybody. And, and the best organizations understood the importance of supporting their people. And they really put the resources towards that. Uh, Those that didn't, didn't have the employer, the employer branding or the employee experience that allowed them to keep people around. People remembered how they were treated, uh, how they were invested in or not invested in. And in part, that fed into the great resignation, the great reawakening, like people taking stock of what matters most to them and prioritizing. And in many cases, deciding to leave or to quietly quit, you know, mentally right. check out, whatever, all those things started to happen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you make several good points in that. Um, I guess the one I want to emphasize is a couple, well, two things. One is the global pandemic in and of itself was a global workplace well being exercise. We finally got people 
to learn how to just wash their hands within 30 seconds without even having to reward them because intrinsically it mattered. And we can all learn from those lessons. Um, the second thing that came to light, not only did COVID kind of catapult this important discussion of mental health, it also allowed us to add a nuance to that. And um, what, what I believe and speak about a lot is mental health is absolutely 100% critical to offer. Let's make sure we help you get that in place. But now it's time to also add mental well-being as tools and resources in and of itself to help us with the daily challenges, the things we can't always call our therapists about, we don't want to pop a pill for when we have a stressful day. Like to me, mental well-being is the key thing to business success moving forward for both individuals and organizations. And um, hopefully you'll invite me back to talk about my book, which that's on um, about brain on, but just in general, that's a point I really want to emphasize while we have our time here and what we wrote about in our trend report. And feel free, you know, to to share some of those insights from your book and from the trend report as we continue on in the conversation today. Uh, one of the things that I think is important, of course, we need to first recognize the need um, for holistic health. Uh, we need to be committed to it. We need to invest in in these areas. Um, but it's it's not just enough to to recognize it or to even start putting money towards it. But we have to have better alignment values alignment, culture alignment. Uh, and then we, when we have to communicate things effectively so that we can actually have kind of the, the impact that we're striving to have, because even the best laid plans and intentions, if, if not well executed, if not well communicated, ultimately it, it's, it's the, it's not going to get to the end of the row. Right. And, and people just aren't going to be able to get the benefits that you're trying to provide them. And that's kind of plagued our industry forever, that communications play, like related to real estate in delivering any people operational um, or total rewards offering. It's all about communication, communication, and more communication. But now the nuance really is, it's what words do you use? What timing do you, you know, go out there? Is it during your busy season when nobody wants to hear one more thing? Or is it times where people can kind of breathe and read what you're offering and how you're delivering that all contribute to the overarching point you made about tying it to the culture, like tying it to what you want people to see, hear, and feel as they interact in their workday. That culture subset climate is what I'm talking about is so important. And right now I really believe it's a culture of caring. In fact, we say it's not only attract and retain, it's now attract, retain, and care for your employees as the mission of um, human resources and, and the organization. And so I always say two things like, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, I think, said something to the effect of, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know you care. <laughs> like, and so the only way to get that besides the one-on-one -on -one interactions with leaders is through the communications. Um, and so that's kind of point one, but the second point, you know, emphasizing what you said at, at the end is 
how do you get it distributed or, you know, how do you get it embedded in, in the way you operate and interact with your employees? Because we still know today, the biggest challenge is people don't know what you offer as an employer. And if they know what you offer, they still might not know how to use it, how to navigate the healthcare system, the high deductible, the life insurance, what, whatever that is. And even if they know how to use it, they don't know how to find it when they need it. Um, and so what we found at NFP really is that unless everything, not just benefits and your benefits navigation, not just your, your people operations like time card and expense reporting, it all has to integrate and reside in one hub accessible on the phone 24-7 with the details already embedded, not in this resource directory to the right flooded with thousands of documents. So there's not that on the marketplace. So that's what we spent a couple years building. We call it People EQ. And we don't build things at NFP. There's tons of new startups and tons of great things. But this collective hub can only really be built by, you know, expending lots of outlay and capital on your HRIS systems. And most employers don't have that means to, you know, tweak ADP or Workday for that and need that solution. So that's how we've kind of mastered it. And for your audience, just figure out how you can build a repository of everything that's linked and documents supporting it to those specific items that's accessible 24-7. Yeah, that access piece is really important. Um, having a user-friendly app, uh, something that's accessible on your phone. So you're not just doing the mobile web on your phone. Uh, something like that's going to be really important. And I was talking to one HRIS, um, HR tech guy a while back, and he, he was talking about the design of these sorts of resources and how in his company, they really try to keep it within three clicks. So yeah. any, anything that you need, you should be able to get to it within three clicks. And if it's more than that, people aren't going to be able to access it and they're not going to use it. That's a hundred percent right. I've been carrying around like a hundred dollar bill with me in every presentation. And no matter who I'm speaking to, I hold it up and I say, if you can, within the next five seconds, point out and get to your EAP then you get this $100. And I've been carrying it around still to this day because everybody just can't even figure out where everything is. Um, and that is the biggest miss right now and in, in providing that culture of caring. Yeah, and I like the focus on culture of caring. And of course, if, you're, if you have a culture of caring that enhances the overall employee experience, you're gonna retain more people because of that caring. You're gonna attract really great people. There's gonna be good word of mouth. There's gonna be better uh, glass store reviews. You know, all that stuff, it becomes mutually reinforcing. Um, so Absolutely. you definitely want to have a culture of caring in your organization. Um, that also leads though to, to another point that I wanted to tackle with you, this idea of empathy fatigue. Mm. So many leaders have tried really hard to develop and express to, to really show more empathy over the last few years, which is fantastic. Um, we all need to have more empathy and care more for each other, but it takes its toll. And, and there's definitely been empathy fatigue that has resulted in higher levels of stress and anxiety. And oftentimes HR leaders have 
borne the brunt of it, um, you know, as they're trying to take a lead role in a lot of these areas that we've been discussing. So what do you think um, are the best ways for us to kind of combat empathy fatigue, reduce stress and anxiety, recognizing that HR individuals and really leaders of any team, they're going to they have to protect their own, you know, their own mental wellness and, and all the holistic wellness of themselves, if they hope to be able to do it for their teams. Yeah. And I know your listeners can't see me, but if you watched my face, like I, I felt empathy, fatigue, like empathy, but I'm so fatigued, like I'm almost tearing right now. And, and, you know, because of all that we all have to endure. And then especially, you know, I'm a big fan of HR, like, they have to do so much. I believe they're the caregivers of the workplace um, and they're on the front line of the workplace. So to your point, I always start with um, focusing on them and the oxygen mask and recommending that they check in every day with themselves because there is just a lot going on. And like I said, they can't necessarily call their therapist every day to get through the workday and lead the organization in a healthy way in the employee journey. So, you know, beyond that, you mentioned, which is absolutely true, and I love empathy, you said developing, it it is a skill, right? We're not born necessarily with empathy, you have to listen mindfully. And empathy is um, more than just sympathizing, it's resonating with the feeling somebody's going through. So one, it's a skill to be aware of that and to exhume it. But I really use the word strategically and purposefully compassion instead, because compassion is by definition, taking that resonant feeling of empathy and adding action to it, allowing those emotions to move forward in some small way. So HR leaders, leaders and organizations, even individuals listening to others and feeling and wanting to express empathy can take it one step further in a healthy way by asking, well, how can I support you? Or what do you need now? Let's think through it. And those are action words that might sound simple, but that helps you move from just absorbing it to an action oriented base. And in addition, pointing them to the resources for benefits that they offer, have you talk to somebody? Have you called the EAP? Did you look at the insurance carrier for this or whatever particular, like pointing them to the resources also is action oriented as well. Yeah, I like the focus on taking action, practicing self-care, not, um, not getting sucked into the black yeah. hole of, of constant need because everyone has stuff and everyone has need. And it's yeah. like, if you don't take care of yourself uh, and you don't have, you know, reasonable boundaries around what you're doing, you, you will burn out. I mean, it's, I, I think of HR as kind of the social workers of yeah. organizations. Right. And so we hear all the time about social workers burning out because it's yeah. just a hard, emotionally taxing kind of a job. 
Well, guess what? The same kind of thing applies uh, in in HR and really, I suppose, any leader who's really thoughtful and, and caring towards their team. If you can't set up, you know, boundaries and and practice regular self care and make sure that you're keeping your own holistic wellness, you know, front, you know, and and foremost among your focus, yeah. you're not going to have the energy to be able to support the people around you. And uh, there's only so long you can keep it up, right? Um, and, and that's right. one thing we've seen over the last couple of years is is really well-meaning, well-intentioned people that just couldn't keep it up. Um, right. And, you know, they are trying to support their people, but who is supporting them? And right. and so let's always, you know, think carefully about that and and make sure that we're, as, as organizational leaders, if, if we're at higher levels, if we're in executive C-suite kind of positions, let's think about not just line workers and their holistic mental health, but their holistic wellness and health. But let's think about it for the middle managers and everyone all the way up through the hierarchy, because everyone needs that support. Yeah. And they didn't sign up to be social workers, (laughs) right? Their job description has expanded into things that they might not even be suited for and take extra energy out of to do their best work. And so those are all great points. And the most important is remembering that it's something that kind of got dropped in their lap and, and support them with tools and resources and trainings, even with HR, send them to conferences, help yeah. them build those skills, those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And another layer to this, of course, we've talked a little bit about the COVID impact on all of this, but it doesn't need to be COVID. I mean, it could be right. anything, right? Um, there, there are different challenges, events. Um, I mean, just recently in the South with the hurricanes. I mean, so you have natural disasters, you have social upheaval, you have economic crisis, like you, you layer all the different things. It's all these different things. And, and I think, for example, um, back in the, the summer of 2020, not only are we dealing with COVID, but there's a lot of social upheaval um, with Black Lives Matter and the George Floyd moment and and, and many others um, that uh, caught the attention of the media and in the populace generally and and people just being so devastated by it and many companies felt the need to release a statement to to have forums for their employees to be able to explore you know what they were feeling around some of those types of events. Uh, I'm curious what you make of that and like what you think is the best approach for HR or for leaders generally as they're trying to help their their people, members of their teams uh, to navigate these types of events and the social and economic upheaval that is happening all around us. That, that's a lot, right? And it's constant. Um, so a couple things. Um, one, I think just recognizing to your point earlier, we all have something going on right now. And so don't just start with the business agenda, just recognize the humanity in the conversation and in and around Zoom meetings or in the room. That's first and foremost, back to just caring and connected psychological safety and belonging. Like let's foundationally ground ourselves in that before we even figure out how to achieve what we need to achieve. Um, I'm going back to like, I heard a podcast from you. You had, you have six kids. Well, there's only five work days. Like I'm thinking, oh my God, you throw in the parenting, you have a hundred percent chance of something going on in addition. So that's how everybody is. Something is going on. Stop there first, including themselves. Ask, how am I showing up here? Um, But then I do believe 
if you are truly, you know, a caring organization, a people first organization or whatever, the leaders need to somewhat be vulnerable and learn that skill and help others be comfortable doing the same in that psychologically safe way, knowing that that's not easy for those underserved or in the minority. I realize that, but as a leader, it's very important to share their experiences and bring them on the journey. um, And then also offer the support first to their employees. There's nothing worse than seeing a public statement and not having an internal communication first saying how we're going to support you and our employees that are impacted. Um, So NFP, you know, back in the first Puerto Rico hurricane, we were one of the first helicopters to land to deliver, you know, resources. And I didn't even know we had a Puerto Rico office at that time. But through our Facebook at work, we raised $20,000 in five like minutes, literally after everybody's set. So it also starts to create this movement, which falls under, you know, social and community well-being. We want to help where we can, but we also feel we need permission to do it on our work time. And we also feel we need permission to be ourselves during the workday as well. Um, So those kinds of things and, and responses publicly are really helpful, but it first starts internally um, at home with your organization. Yeah. And you need to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. Right. So part of what I was hearing you say is that like, make sure that you're backing up whatever you're expressing publicly with what you're doing internally, but also it's just good practice to openly communicate and be transparent with your people so that people aren't caught off guard. They don't even know like, Hey, there's this big initiative and I've never even heard about it internally. Um, and now I just hear, see this press release or this, this, uh, um, press conference or whatever to unleash, you know, and, and to, to uh, open up something uh, to the public. So just in terms of good communication, of course, you want to be able to do that. And then of course, walking the walk um, so that people feel, you know, like it's genuine that you truly care. All of that's so important. And like we've been talking about all along, let's, let's focus on the holistic yeah. health and wellness of our people. Uh, all the different aspects are going to be really important. Well, Deb, this has been a really fun conversation. Time has flown by. I know the time and I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute. But before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, where they can find things like your book uh, and connect with your team, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Well, thank you, John. This has been so fun. I've really enjoyed our time. Um, For those that want to you know, follow my insights and connect with me. It's best on LinkedIn, Debbie Smolensky. And also, if you're interested in our trend report or contacting me directly, you can also go to nfp.com and just contact me and put the well-being practice leader, Deb Smolensky, and they'll find me. Um, and finally, thank you for allowing me to talk a little bit about my book. It's coming out in April. So I hope this will be a future invitation to come back and share the details, but it's all around using mental fitness training to sharpen your focus, boost your energy, and ultimately win the workday. Um, and that will be my last statement is we're all going through something. So I encourage everyone to first put their oxygen mask on first and then approach your emails, approach your connections with a sense of curiosity and empathy, knowing where you're at that day. And that will help everyone have a better work day um, in the future. So 
thank you so much for for having me. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Deb. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage my audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Deb and her team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.